Blog Talk Radio.
Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to our Monday night broadcast of Prayer International Radio. I'm your host for the night, starting off, uh, Sean Holmberg. Um, Father, tonight, Father, we humbly kneel. Father, humbly come before you, residing ourselves to rest at the foot of your cross, residing ourselves to dwell in your presence, to rest in your presence, to rest in your completed work upon the cross. Father, believing that when you said it is finished, that it was finished. Father, tonight, Lord, we ask that your hand, O oh God, would reach, your spirit would move from country to country like a flame of fire. Holy Spirit, igniting the hearts of believers. Lord, to come into your presence, Father, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Holy Spirit, that you ignite the hearts of believers, Father. Lord, that you would give us burdens this earth, Father, for the nations and the kingdoms of this earth, Lord. This world that is passing away. And as it says, the true light is already shining. Jesus, you said, your kingdom has come. Father, and we rejoice. Lord, we stand and rejoice. Kingdom, Father, knowing that we have been removed from the kingdom of darkness, translated into the kingdom of Jesus Christ counted citizens heirs and joint heirs with Christ seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus Father thank you for your word Lord that brings life Father your word that becomes a river of living water <clears throat> Father thank you for your name that name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit that you send to come and dwell and abide with us to reveal to us your heart, to reveal to us your desires, to make that connection. Father, so that we can know you as you really are. Father, that we can see you as you are. Lord, that we could be changed from glory to glory as your word declares that we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are being transformed, transformed from glory to glory just by the Spirit of the Lord. 
Father, every minute, every second, Lord, that we spend in your presence, we are gradually changed, gradually shaped, gradually molded, Father, until we resemble your Son. So, Father, we choose tonight to yield our lives to you, Lord. In this minute, regardless of what circumstances, what mountains, what obstacles, whatever our lives consist of, Jesus, we take it all and we lay it down at your feet asking that you would be glorified. Father, whether by our lives, by our deaths, Father, every word, every action, every movement, Jesus, that it would bring you glory, that it would bring you honor. Father, that your name, which is already great and magnified, Father, would be proclaimed throughout the nation. Father, with signs and wonders. Father, with a spirit of unity. You would cause the church to stand together under the banner of your name, declaring your salvation and your goodness and your righteousness to the far corners of the earth. Lord, as you said that, Father, you would raise up workers in these end times when the harvest is ripe and it seems there's nowhere father that we can turn without finding someone who needs a touch from you finding one person who needs to hear your voice one person who needs the hope that we only have from you that needs the peace the scripture says, surpasses all understanding. Your word declares there is peace in the presence of the Lord. Father, as Moses declared upon the mountain, show us your glory. Father, show us your glory. Reveal to us your way tonight, O oh Father. Lord, that we can know you. You know, I was reading a little bit ago, um, I have this habit of um, searching, I really like, how do I put it, I like um, reading the writings of the early um, people of the church, the early Christians, the ones who um, experienced the persecution that most people don't experience today, the ones who started out going from house to house, door to door, village to village, declaring the name of Jesus Christ. And all the way through the early ages of the church, and, you know, something about the dedication and the humbleness and the reverence for God that they had And I was reading about the glory of God. And, you know, um, we talk about often on the show that there's scriptures that we, we can spend our entire lives, if, we're, if we grow up as Christians, um, we spend our entire lives hearing the scriptures and we read the scriptures. We hear them in church and Sunday school and we hear them on the radio and when we listen to preachers and pastors and 
so much that we really don't stop and dwell at times on those scriptures to really let the Holy Spirit take each of those words and have them become a revelation that can mold and drastically change our lives, to change not only our lives, but our our point of view, the way we think. You know, the scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And, you know, something as simple as that, we, we throw those scriptures around, but do we really understand them? Not only do we understand them, do we believe them to be true? Far too often we find ourselves, and you ought to forgive me why I try to drink my coffee to stay warm and awake. Um, far too often we find ourselves walking in ways that we don't have to walk in, believing things we don't have to believe out of ignorance of the Word of God. And not even necessarily always ignorance of the Word of God, but ignorance over the powers the Word of God has in our lives. The Bible declares the Word is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we'll just um, take a simple scripture, which is not simple, but profound. It says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now we read about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how we, according to the scripture, were buried with him in Romans, buried with him in, in baptism, raised in the newness of life. Paul said to cast off the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust and to walk in the newness of life. And far too often, we don't understand, we don't see and comprehend the newness of life that we have. That we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Transformed, changed, completely different. Although you can't always see the difference with our naked eyes, it takes the microscope of the revelation of the Holy Spirit to reveal what's really there. It takes the Word of God dwelling in us to bring alive through the working of the Holy Spirit these revelations that declare His name is great, that declare that His name is glorified in our lives and that not only that He is glorified, that He was glorified, that He's going to be glorified. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus that saved us in the pit of our sins, continually can save to the utmost, never changing, always forgiving, always loving, always long-suffering, always patient for the joy that was set before him. You know, when I... Um, <clears throat> first heard the word glory, I didn't, um, growing up, I didn't really understand it, and I read scriptures in the Old Testament where the priest and the people would come together and 
they would worship the Lord and the glory of the Lord would come. And a cloud would fill the temple to the point that the people couldn't minister. And we we know about Moses standing upon the mountains. And he says, show me now your way that I may know you. Show me your glory. And the father hid him in a rock and and had his goodness pass before him. And that same glory that was in the cloud, the pillar of fire and the cloud of that um, led the children of Israel, the same glory is still here today. We can still experience that same glory, sometimes even the same level of glory in his presence. And we talk about his presence a lot on the show, about the presence of God. And, you know, there's sometimes misconceptions about the presence of God. We think that, you know, well, he's God. He's way up there in heaven somewhere, and we're way down here. And that was that. And we live our lives, and then we die, and next thing you know, we're in heaven. But, you know, he called us to so much more. His scripture declares so much more. Better things than the old covenant. A new covenant. That his presence can be experienced and felt on a daily basis. And I'm not talking about the literal, actual God literally just showing up in the flesh, even though he's not. But, I mean, if you can imagine him in the flesh, because every single person would die because of his presence itself. Jesus said no one has seen the Father at any time except for the Son. But there's this level of the glory of his presence that can come. It says Jesus was the express image of the glory of the Father. The disciples said, well, show us the Father, and it's sufficient to us. And Jesus said, how long have I been with you that you asked me to show you the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so what we have to understand is if you want to know the Father, you want to experience the Father, you want to hear the Father, then you need to go to Jesus and understand that his presence is here through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here. Wherever you're at, he's there. We talk about God being omnipresent everywhere at once. Wherever you are, he's there. His presence. It's a scary thought. It says, for since we are, let us lay aside the sin that since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let aside every weight and every sin which so easily besets us. Because we don't realize when you get up in the morning and you go to work or go to school or whatever, that wherever you go, his presence is there. You don't have to sit there and try to get in the mood and beg and plead and and pray for his presence because his presence is always there. It's not 
presence that changes, but our perception of his presence that changes. And there is times with, in community settings and that there's, a, there's certain levels of his glory that can be experienced. But as far as a relationship goes with the Father, you don't have to wait till a great worship sermon or to a great worship session or have a great message to experience his presence. All you need is your Bible, the Holy Spirit, and time to wait at his feet. Sometimes far too often we think the best thing that we can do to help save the world, to win the lost, is to go out and preach from corner to corner to corner. And while it has a place, it doesn't start on the corners. It starts at his feet. The scripture declares that Mary and Martha are in there with Jesus. Martha's up there serving and Mary's just at the feet of Jesus. A lesson for all of us about staying at his feet, staying in his presence, continually observing the presence of God. Because it's through the relationship, it's through the communion that you have with him that everything around you begins to change. You can carry the presence of God everywhere you go. Because the Holy Spirit not only is everywhere, but he dwells in you. And you can live a life where you don't have to try to work up his presence because you've come to the ability and the understanding of resting in the place that you already are. Scripture says that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. It also says, I has not seen nor ear, I has not seen or heard what, or is entered into the heart of man. Sorry about that. Well, God is prepared for those that love him. So I want to take just a minute and read something. glory of God. It says, the sovereign God is ever so much more glorious. The Hebrew word for glory is kabod. Kabod means literally weightness, weightiness or substance. There is in God a weightiness, a density, a solidity, an opacity, a substance, as there is nowhere else. Because God is all of this, his appearance, his splendor, is weighty too. His splendor is awesome. His appearance is startling. He surges over men and women and weighs on them until they are breathless, even as his splendor startles them speechless. As speech begins to return to them, the only thing they can say at first and then blurt out as they grope for words and speak normally when they recover from this visitation of glory. And what that means is when you come into his presence, 
closer you get to his presence, the more this revelation, and revelation isn't always necessarily the right word, but realization of who this God is. If I ever start to lose sight of his greatness and his majesty, all it takes is stepping outside and looking at the grass and the trees and the stars in the sky, remembering this God who told Abraham to count the multitude of stars, the vastness of God's creation, the splendor that this earth itself has declaring the glory of God and this amazing, awesome God that we serve. This amazing, awesome God that declared that we would no longer just be servants, but be friends with him. And when you get into his presence, sometimes you can try to pray, and sometimes you can't. Sometimes all you can do is sit there, adoration of who he is. Seeing how far different it is between us and him. That's why the scripture declares men would come into the presence of God. And they would be like, I'm undone, I'm unclean. Because they would see him as he really is. Spend enough time in his scripture. If you spend enough time reading the word and just dwelling upon it, you'll start to get this image in your head and in your spirit of his character, of his nature, of his likeness, of who he really is, his love and compassion. Not only his love and compassion, but his undeniable authority and the reverence that he is due no matter what for any reason. And there's no one who has an excuse when they come before him. And so if I keep reading, it says, God's glory is God's presence apprehended. But God's presence is the presence of him who is more solid than anything we can imagine. God's presence is the presence of an ever-so-dense substance whose authority is unarguable. Such a presence apprehends or takes hold and leaves us awed. We can only follow our face and render him homage, honor. The only response the glory visited will ever render. It talks about Moses where it says, Moses cried to God, show me your glory, in Exodus 33, 7. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Claim my name before you. Actually, the two assertions are one, for God's name is his nature. And God's nature is his goodness. When he said, I will make my goodness pass before you, I will proclaim my name before you. These are one and the same, spoken twice as a promise and as a guarantee of the one glory of God soon to be understood. Moses has to go into a cleft in the rock and have the rock prop him up on both sides. For in the moment that God's glory passes by Moses' knees, will flop like a rag doll. 
like a rag doll. He'll stagger and fall. But he goes into the cleft on the rock, supported on either side as the glory of God surges over him. And was it an experience just for the sake of an experience? Is it just a pointless exhibition of God's power? In the wake of God's glory and his presence understood, God renews his promise to an ungrateful and wayward Israel. God renders Moses his spokesperson. Through Moses, God insists that Israel is to make no compromise with paganism. Any suggestion of idolatry should find the people horrified. Every vestige of adoration given anywhere but to him is to be shunned. For God's glory, unmistakable, is also undeniable. You know, take a break for a second. God called Moses up to the mountain. And Moses was hungry for God, to hear from God, the children of Israel, the children of promise, who are still the children of promise today, make no, have no doubt about that, were afraid to go near the mountain. 500 years later, the people of Israel, having ignored Moses as much as they had Heeded him are in exile. Jerusalem, their prized city, is in ruin. Having failed to remove idolatry in any form at the time, they are now stuck in Babylon, living among people who are nothing but idolatrous all the time. It says, Let me assure you, parenthetically, of a truth that courses through Scripture. God's unfailing, God unfailingly, always punishes sin by means of more sin. The worst consequence of sin is always more sin. The people are crushed on account of their undeniable guilt and despairing on account of their unrelieved bleakness. Then God's glory overtakes Ezekiel. Ezekiel falls on his face and God says to him, Stand up and I will speak with you. He said, I am sending you to an impudent and stubborn people. Still, you must speak to them the words that I give you. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, they will know that there has been a prophet among them. Ezekiel speaks the words he's been given, and it cuts them like a knife. Like a scalpel, for this word performs surgery, a heart transplant to be exact. Those who hear and heed the prophet's word will have their old hearts of stone removed. They'll be given a new heart of flesh, a heart that pulsates with the rhythm of God's own heart. 700 years later, still, some shepherds are guarding sheep on a hillside when the glory of God prostrates them. Once again, the unspeakable weight of God, understood in his splendor, has overwhelmed men who couldn't find a rock to prop them up. They think themselves undone when they are told, to you sinners, a Savior is born this day, a great joy for all people everywhere. And in that moment, it seemed that the heavens shouted glory to God in the highest and peace among the men on earth. No doubt someone here today wants to complain that there are only certain times when God's glory only visited a handful of people. But in the 20, but where are we 20th century type people left? After all, we are ordinary people in ordinary circumstances. So where are we all in this? 
We are precisely where the Apostle John was when he exclaimed, The Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth, and we have beheld his glory, the glory of the Father. We, you, I, all of us have beheld his glory, or at least we should have. We who have beheld his glory and the lingering of Jesus Christ among us, who are we? We are creatures of God, to be sure. We are beloved of God, unquestionably. Still, as God's glory engulfs us, we are exposed, as inglorious ourselves. God's glory is substance. The substance exposes our unsubstantiability. Unsubstantiability. But since God's since God is holy and we are defiled, since God's holiness cannot withstand even a hint of defilement, our reaction can only be that of Isaiah in the temple in the day that he saw the Lord high and lifted up. The day that God's splendor filled the temple, Isaiah could only cry, Woe is me, for I am lost. I have a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. The thing that Peter said when he was in the boat, and they'd been fishing all night, and all of a sudden this person, Jesus, who they did not know at the time to be the Savior of the world, comes up and tells them to cast their net on the other side. And they do it, and then it fills up, and the net almost breaks. And Peter said, go away, for I'm a sinful man. The thing about his glory and about his presence is that it only leaves you with two options. Only two. And I've experienced in my own life Chris's experience that you have, all of us have. Whether it's a full-on encounter with the presence of God, whether it's the Holy Spirit taking his word and making it alive within us and giving us revelation about the desires and the heart of God, whether it's just a whisper that the Holy Spirit puts in your spirit or a burden he lays upon you. Whenever you come in contact with him, however you come in contact with him, there's only two responses you can have. The one response is you can harden your heart as the children of Israel did or you surrender and say, have your way, O God. And you allow him to write upon your heart. You allow him to move into your life. You allow him to transform the way you think. To give you fresh revelation. To give you fresh, fresh insight. To declare unto you the things that his word has already declared about you. Declare over you his love. To declare over you his victory. Or you can choose not to. You can walk in victory that you already have. Because the scripture declares you do. Or you can choose not to walk in victory. But it's your choice. 
You can choose to run after him, to pursue him, to seek him with all your heart. Or you can choose not to. But he, as a good father, will change regardless of what your answer is. Your lack of interest and your lack of motivation to seek his face or spend time with him will never possibly negate the love that he has for you. But your hunger and desire to seek after him and to lay hold of him will only produce the fruit of his presence in your life being manifested. We're going to go to a quick break. If you need prayer, our call-in number is 646-200, I mean, sorry, 619-638-8458. And we will be right back. We hear God because your promise has been fulfilled in us. We're here, God, because when we seek you, we find you. God, when we ask, we receive. When we knock on the door, you answer it. Your word is alive. Your word is alive today. It is truth. It is everything.
voice and ask for his presence. Deep, deep. 
sleep cries out too deep in the middle of the night as deep cries out too deep we want nothing else as deep cries out too deep sing come Lord Jesus come Lord Jesus come you're Hey. 
welcome back to another edition of Prayer International. Picking up the second half of the show. You know, that song, All the Way My Savior Leads Me. You know, that's really what it's all about, is being led by the Spirit of God. Being led by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ, our Savior, showing us the way, leading us down his path of righteousness. You know, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, he leadeth me. See, this walk, this Christian walk is about being led by the Spirit of God, allowing God to show us, to point us the way. And if we're not listening, if we're not hearing God, we're not living. We're not reaching our full potential. We're not entering into that covenant relationship, number one, that those blessings and the privilege and the benefits, the joy and the peace that come along with walking in his presence, walking in his glory, listening to his voice, Walking in obedience. There's a blessing that follows that. So many people talk about the blessed life. I want to have a blessed life. And they're looking at these things that are maybe a result of some of their prayers or these material things that they believe you can call in. And I, you know, I'm all about calling things into our lives and speaking into our situations. And I do believe whatever we ask, Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask with the wrong motive. But if you would ask, you would receive if you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open. I believe our Heavenly Father, my Heavenly Father, gives good gifts to his children. He even knows what we need before we ask. But nevertheless, he says, ask. But there's a principle and there's a, a certain protocol that, that takes place in the kingdom that unless you're following it, See, Jesus said, "Man shall not live by every, uh, not live by bread alone, right? But every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God." So you're living by the words that are proceeding out, but not just listening to the words, but obeying the words. That's why we're told, if we're willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land. See, there's a protocol. Jesus said what? Seek first the kingdom and then all these things will be added unto you. If a man would lose his life, then he would find it. If you're willing to give up all those things, Jesus said you'll have more. Not only in this life, but in the next life. He said some 30, 60, 100 fold, which means 
there is a multiplication that takes place when you sow and you sacrifice, when you give sacrificially, or you go without, or you give, whatever the case is, whatever God calls you to do, there's a blessing that comes along with it, and it doesn't come equally. Jesus said 30, 60, 100 fold. So there's multiplication. The Bible talks about us being blessed a thousand times more than we're worth. Deuteronomy 1. So there's this multiplication that takes place when we actually live and pursue and seek a kingdom lifestyle. That's why Jesus said, let this mind be in you. Be like-minded. Why? Because the carnal mind, enmity with God. What does that mean? It's God's enemy. See, without faith, you can't please God. And without having a spiritual mind, you're actually God's enemy. If you don't think spiritual level, if you don't think on a kingdom level, God says you're at enmity with God. Jesus said, if you're not for me, if you're not of me, if you don't think like I think, what? You're against me. Why? Because, see, the carnal mind is unfruitful. It does not produce the things of the Spirit. So how do we get a spiritual mind? How do we get a mind that's like Christ? How do we develop and adopt our thinking to coincide with God's thinking? We're told in Isaiah 55, which we've repeatedly talked about on the show, God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. But yet we're told to set our minds where? On things above. We're told to cast down vain imaginations, everything that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of Christ. See, there's a knowledge of Christ. There's a, there's a, there's a knowing. There's a certain thing on the inside of us that produces knowledge in Christ. The Holy Spirit living on the inside of us and our spirit man on the inside of us have the capacity to impart or produce or expound the knowledge of Christ inside of us. At the same note, on the same note, we're to declare, we're to expound, we're to speak the knowledge of Christ out of our mouths to all who would hear. The Bible says that the 
glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea, but it also says the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. So there's a tangible glory, a physical glory, a manifested presence of God that's going to cover the earth and is now covering the earth. But there's also an intimate knowledge, a revealed knowledge, revelation. That's where we get the word revelation. That's revealed knowledge. It's Christ revealing himself to us, to people. And it's Christ revealing his secrets or his knowledge or things that he wants us to know. How? By his spirit. So why am I going into all this? This is what I'm saying. Our minds are unfruitful of the things of the spirit if we're carnally minded. But if we're spiritually minded, the Bible says we'll have life and peace. That word life, Jesus said what? Man shall not live by bread alone. See how it all kind of ties together. So, if we're going to eat the good of the land, what do we do? We obey God's word. How do we hear God's word? First of all, you have to be God's child. You have to be God's sheep. He's got to be your shepherd. There's all these different metaphors we can use to explain the relationship, but the bottom line is you have to know God. You can compare him to a husband. You can compare him to a father. You can compare Jesus to a brother. You can compare God to a best friend. You can do all those things. But the bottom line is, do you have an intimate relationship? Do you communicate with God? Do you listen to God? Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. My sheep, they know me. I know them. And they hear my voice. And the voice of a stranger they won't follow. Which means there's a strange voice. Strange voices, there's a stranger speaking and competing with the voice of God every day in your life. These voices sometimes come to us as streaming thoughts. We could call it in our conscious. That's where our, our spirit is. That's how God communicates to us, is in our what we call our heart, but it's really our spirit. But it's really our conscience. And that's how God speaks into our lives. One of the ways. So we're talking about all the way my Savior leads me. This is what got me into this in the first place. That song. Not really where I was going to go tonight, but once I put that song on, it took me into a different direction. So the question is, is who's leading you? How are you being led and by who are you being led? How am I being led? Are we being led? 
as God's people? Are we being led by the Holy Spirit? Are we being led by the Word of God? Are we being led by a clean, undefiled conscience? Or are we being led by our own will, our own desires, somebody else's wills and desire, or straight up the devil's will and desires? Because there are strange voices. There are things and people competing for your time and your attention and your focus and your energy and your finances and your emotions and your strength and your gifts and your talents. Something is always competing for something in your life or something of your life. And the question is, have you yielded, have you committed, have you submitted yourself to God? And are you allowing him to lead you and guide you and show you his assignment for your life, his plan, his purpose. So God says, elementary, we'll we'll go back to the beginning, all the way through Genesis and Exodus, constantly reminded by God to meditate day and night on his word. We're told to set no evil things before our eyes. All the way back in the Old Testament, Jesus brought it home when he said, whatsoever things are pure, lovely, good report, good virtue, think on these things. Of course, he said that through the writings of Paul. My point being is that it's New Testament. It's Old Testament. It's Jesus. It's Moses. It's Paul. David. Whoever you want to patronize, whoever you want to follow, whoever you want to set as your example as a spiritual mentor, Their hearts, their focus, their lives, your life, your focus, your heart has to be founded and grounded and rooted and established in the Word of God. You know, as elementary as we think it is to just read a chapter or two a day or, you know, some people tell you to read three, three and a half chapters a day and you'll get through the Bible in a year. 40 chapters a day, and you'll get through it in a month. You know, whatever your preference is, it doesn't really matter how much of the Bible you read. What matters is how much of the Bible you do. You can know all kinds of things in the Bible and not do any of it. Miss out on all kinds of things that the Lord has for you. Because maybe it's just another history lesson or a 
Sunday school teaching or a story, a parable, a, a poet, nice poetry. And many people read the Word of God as a piece of classic literature, which in some respects it's the most classic piece of literature. But yet, stories in the Word were not written just to be stories. And the characters in the Word of God, Old and New Testament, were not written about just to entertain us. But you know, even in the book of Romans, if we look into four, chapter 4, verse 20, 21, says this, that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God, but he was rich in faith. And he was fully persuaded that God was able to perform all, all that he said he would do. And he wasn't persuaded and he wasn't written about only to show what God could do for him. Check this out, read. Romans 4, chapter 4, verse 20, 21, 22. It says that these things weren't written about Abraham just for his sake alone, but for our sake that we would receive the promise. And so these stories that are written about Moses and David, Daniel, and Ruth, all these great people of faith, Paul, Jesus, and Peter. Wonderful stories. Wonderful people. But it's not about their relationship with God as much as God wants it to be about your relationship with God. My relationship with God. That's why we have the word help sharpen and quicken and correct our focus. Help bring us into an alignment, into order, into subjection to where our lives are coincidental with his life, Jesus. With his life, the Father God. Our lives are in step with his life the Holy Spirit. That's the way God made it. That's the way God created things to function. So the question is, again, who's leading your life? How are you being led? Who's Leadership are you under? Who's pointing the way in your life? Jesus? Is it 
God and his word is the Holy Spirit leading your life and the people around you that are helping to mentor and shape your life. Are they Holy Spirit directed, Holy Spirit inspired? Are they motivated by the word of God? Are the things that they say and do and pray and the direction that they give to you, is it in sync with the word of God? And are your desires and your motives and your wants and your habits, are they fueled and motivated and dictated by the Spirit of God? I know God is dealing with me constantly, asking me, showing me, knocking on my heart's door, directing my attention to him and to his ways, saying, align this and tweak that and fine-tune this and adjust this so that more of God so that more Holy Spirit, so that more of the kingdom can come into my life. And not only into my life, but move in and out and through my life into the lives of others. And that's what God wants to do in your life. So if you're just tuning in, this is Prayer International Radio. Pray. We're going to ask Jesus to help redirect our thinking, to help redirect our focus, to help our motivation. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we just ask your kingdom come and your will be done. Father, we ask, Lord God, that you would redirect our thinking that you would correct our focus, that you would move in our lives, and, Father, that you would cause, Lord God, your desires, your wants, your purpose, your will to be done. Father, help us to find rest in you. Help us to find our strength in you. Lord, be the joy of our lives. Father, be the motivation of our day. Father, we just pray, Lord, that you'd fill every person tonight with your Holy Spirit. Father, you would fill them with the joy of the Lord and it would be their strength. Lord, your peace, which passes all understanding, would rule their hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. Father, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, that, Father, that you would just help, Lord God, those in their time of need because you are an ever-present help in time of need. Lord, we ask, be their help. Be our help, Jesus. Father, be a father to the fatherless. Thank you, Lord. Good shepherd, Jesus, lead us and guide us. Lead us and guide us into all truth. Lead us and guide us down straight paths. We just thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank, thank you, Lord, for your grace. Father, anyone that's sick in their bodies tonight, we pray that your healing virtue, that your healing power. Father, you said by the stripes of Jesus we are healed. Lord, you said you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, you did not die in vain. You did not shed your blood in vain. And I, I thank you, Lord, right now that your blood is speaking for every sick body right now. Father, I just command, Lord, every body to be healed in the name of Jesus according to your will. Let it be done. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you're just tuning in, if you've been listening, Prayer International Radio, if you want to check out our website, we're at www.prayerinternational.org. My name is Chris Herzog. Also, Sean Holmberg was on earlier tonight, and we are here on Sundays. We've got our brother Patrick Sanders, and listen, if there's something you need, feel free to email us. We're at prayerinternational at gmail.com if you need prayer. If you have a concern or a comment or just something you want to share that you feel the Lord has put in your heart, feel free to put those things in an email and send it to us, and we'll do our best to try to get back with you. Listen, have a blessed night, and just remember, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and guess what? He's going to direct your path. He's going to lead you. In Jesus' name, amen.